Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by the Empowered Pregnancy and Birth Course. The Empowered Pregnancy and Birth Course by Ellen Fisher and Hannah McNeely has come to Positive Birth Australia. It gives me the greatest pleasure to offer this course to you, my beautiful listeners. I have personally been through every single module myself, so I can genuinely and confidently stand behind the wealth of knowledge and wisdom you will gain from this incredible resource. Created in collaboration with four professionals in their field, this guide has it all. From choosing your ideal birth team to nourishment and exercise, you will find a module to guide you on all aspects of your journey. There's even a module for your partners, giving you back the confidence and wisdom you need to have the birth of your dreams. You can find more details through the link in the show notes or head to the PBA Instagram bio. Welcome back, everyone. Featuring on today's show is mother of three and birth doula, Alyssa. After a routine ultrasound discovered Alyssa had a shortened cervix and low fluid, she was prepped for an induction at 39 weeks. Only a short time later, she would give birth to her daughter in the bath without any further interventions. Having had such a positive experience with her induction, she decided to give up her MGP spot instead choosing to stay in the comfort of her own home to birth her second baby. Laboring on her deck as the sun rose and the birds sang in the background, she birthed her son into the water in under two hours. With her labor time drastically lowering each birth experience, her birth team was prepped to jump into action as she entered her 38th week gestation. But when her labor progressed even faster than anticipated, she barely had time to settle in the shower as her son came roaring earthside after only 45 minutes of labor. Enjoy the show. Alyssa, thank you for being here today and welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Do you want to just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Alyssa. I'm a 
wife and a mum of three. Um, so I have an eight-year-old daughter, a five-year-old son, and a three-year-old son. Um, I live in the beautiful Illawarra, so down on Darawal country in New South Wales. Um, it's currently very wet here while we record this, but normally beautiful, sunny, um, gorgeous Illawarra on the coast. Um, I'm a birth doula. Uh, and I also teach childbirth education classes, which is really fun. Amazing. Now, I have to ask, have you ever had a mother go into labor or give birth when you are teaching a class or? Um, no. no, it's come close. I've been on call a couple of times. Uh, and last year, one of my clients came to a birth class. And then the day after um, some months, I teach a fourth trimester class. And one of the couples I was working with actually had their baby overnight between the classes, which was wow. a bit of a surprise to the attendees that were doing yeah. both. Um, but that's birth, right? Babies come when they want. Yeah, that's exactly right. So jumping into your birth stories, were your pregnancies planned conception? Yeah, yep. So we, my husband and I, um, my husband's name is Ben. Yep. Uh, so Ben and I got married and waited a couple of years uh, before we decided we were ready to have kids and we actually tried for I think close to 18 months um, to fall pregnant with our first baby um, so bit of a, a journey um, which was interesting to me I was 23 and 24 while we were doing that and it's so interesting being a young person being like you can fall pregnant really easily all these and then when families try, they're like, oh, this is actually a lot harder than we yeah, thought. So um, true. Which is, yeah, very interesting journey. So she took about 18 months um, and we were very excited when we found out we were pregnant. Um, and then, yeah, both the boys, it's a bit different. So baby number two, we decided we were ready. So my daughter was just almost three, I think, when we decided we were ready. And we took about six months to fall pregnant with him. Um, so, again, a bit of a wait. Um, so she must have only been two, actually. And then my gorgeous third baby decided that he was ready to be, <laughs> be in our family. Um, and he was actually a surprise. We knew we wanted a third, um, but the timing was probably not our pick. Um, I was still breastfeeding. Our youngest wasn't even one yet. Um, but he defied the odds. We were using contraception and he, um, was just ready to be part of our family, I guess. Yeah. And you were using contraception. That's crazy. Yeah. My doctor was, her face was very funny. She was like, um, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. So let's start with your first pregnancy then. How was that experience for you? Yeah, that, that was interesting. I was very sick, um, not HG, that's a whole nother level. Um, I, I don't even want to try to claim that it was that much um, sickness, but I was sick the entire nine months um, and it wasn't just a spew in the morning. That name, morning sickness, is such a lie, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was any time of the day, particularly if I got tired, um, then it would definitely make its presence known. Um, I was a swim teacher actually at the time, so... Uh, some mornings I'd rock up to work and have to put a bucket or something next to the pool because obviously you can't just jump out and leave little kids in a pool to run off to have a bomb. Um, yeah, so sick the whole nine months. And for a while I was deemed as a high-risk pregnancy. Uh, so uh, my dad has a condition called MTHFR, um, which is pretty well known now. Most people talk about it. Um, so they didn't know what that meant for me uh, 
in terms of being a carrier or not. Um, the simplified version is that it means we uh, process folate and folic acid a little bit differently, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, in pregnancy can be a bit of an issue. Um, it leads, it can potentially lead to clotting issues, miscarriage, birth deformities um, in its most severe uh, effectiveness, I guess. I found out that I didn't have both genes, so to be affected, you really need both, and I only had one half. So um, hematologist was like, well, you're not really any higher risk than any other pregnant lady in terms of clotting factors. Um, so they were trying to find to put me back to just um, antenatal care. I started out at shared care, got moved to high risk, then they're like, well, you don't really need to be here, but um, me being the strong personality that I am was sick of being moved around and not having continuity. So I just asked if I could stay with the high risk midwife, her and I really gelled. Um, and because it was, I think by that stage, third trimester, she was like, yeah, look, we might, might as well. Um, and then a routine ultrasound found that my cervix was starting to shorten. So they were like, well, it's probably a good thing that you're here. We'll just keep a close eye on you. Um, and then another follow-up ultrasound found out that I also had low fluid. So um, her pregnancy um, ended at 39 weeks on the dot, uh, went in on a Friday for an appointment, and they said, look, we think this baby needs to come out. Can you come in on Sunday night and we'll do an induction? So pretty quick turnaround yeah. to wrap your head around. Um, but it was actually all right. I went in on Sunday night and... The doctor was really, really kind, um, went through, you know, what was going to happen, did a stretch and sweep, and he actually said, oh, look, you don't need to be here overnight for the Foley's catheter. How about you go home and have a good sleep and come back in the morning? Um, so just r- very gentle. I really appreciate that, um, that doctor doing that. He also um, said, look, make sure you ask for time between rupturing your membranes and starting the syntocin on drip. Um, which I didn't even know was an option, so that was quite nice of him to mention that. Yeah. So we did that, went home, had a nice night, um, slept as much as I could. I did have contractions through the night. Um, went back the next morning. They broke my waters, which was a pretty long procedure actually for me. My cervix was still quite mysterious, so it actually took a bit of time for her to do it. By the time she finished that, I was already having contractions every five minutes that I needed to sort of concentrate on, not necessarily breathe through anything, but concentrate on. And I'd read uh, Birth Skills by Juju Sundin. Um, so as soon as I was off the bed, I was stomping my feet, which the midwife found so funny. Oh, okay. Like, what is this new thing of everyone stomping? I was like, oh, it's from a book. <laughs> right. Um, but apparently they'd had a few women in that week that had gone to um, foot stomping as their default coping mechanism. I don't think I've heard of that book. Yeah, it's really good. Juju Sundin and Sarah Murdoch, Birth Skills. So she just talks about moving adrenaline and, um, you know, moving your big limbs. It's really interesting. And you found that helped? Yeah, yeah. I could stomp and sort of count and breathe my way through each contraction. Um, And my labour progressed quite quickly, so I actually didn't need to have anything else. I didn't need the syntocin on drip. They just ruptured my waters and off I went. Yeah, so she, I think three to four hours later, uh, she was out. She was born in the bath, into my arms. Um, yeah, which was nice. I was the first one to touch her. I picked her up out of the bath and put her straight on my chest. Um, she had a nuchal cord, but the midwife helped with that. Um, and I just sat back in the bath and said, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> 
Wow. So was it, I'm guessing, super intense being so quick? Yeah. I had a, I said that I didn't want an epidural. And at one point my husband was sitting on an armchair and I was sort of half reclined on the hospital floor with my head on his knee. And I just remember saying to him, I can't do this. This is progressing. Like this is really intense. And I'm only about two hours into this for a first time, mom, I'm, I've got hours to go. I'm going to need an epidural. And the midwife came in. She was like, do you want to get in the bath? Is that like, does that sound good? I was like, that sounds amazing because I'm out of options. I don't really know where else to go. Um, And I remember her running the bath and then saying to me, do you want to birth your baby in the bath? And I was like, we're not at at that point. Like, why are you talking about this? Like, I don't understand. But we were. We were at that point, (laughs) which is nice. What a beautiful experience you had considering you were induced because so often you'll hear, you know, induction is like that first step in yeah. that cascade of intervention. So it's really lovely to hear when that isn't the case. Yeah, that's right. And I'd spoken to a friend uh, maybe the week or two before. Um, she'd had a beautiful home birth and she knew induction wasn't my plan, but she just reminded me that it could still be a beautiful induction that a couple of our friends had had a nice experience. And I was like, oh, I was so grateful for that coffee and that chat because it is, you're right. So often we hear inductions and it's just, you know, the beginning of the cascade and it doesn't always turn out a beautiful experience. There are plenty of times where it does, yeah. but I could have very easily walked in to a whole bunch of interventions that I didn't want. Yeah, I remember as soon as she was out, they said sharp sting in your leg and gave me the syntocin injection I didn't really think about that until probably a year or two later I was like huh don't really remember having a conversation or consenting to that and that whole actively managed third stage was just something I'd never considered um but if we just like put that aside for a bit the whole birth was amazing I was tired afterwards um and I remember just like eating lots of marvelous creations chocolate with my husband and my cousin, um, <laughs> and not getting reflux, which was amazing. Oh, nice! They did ask me to stay in two nights. They were concerned about my iron levels, and in hindsight, they did nothing. Like there was no treatment, there was no lots of observations. So I probably could have gone home, but you know, first time mum, you don't you don't know everything, and you don't know limits, etc. So I did stay. Um, and I had a single room, which was nice, but yeah, nice experience. Yeah. So jumping to your second pregnancy, what was that experience like for you? It was hard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Having a toddler and being sick oh, yeah. and pregnant is intense. Mm. Um, with your first, you can sleep when you need to and eat when you need to. There's no real pressure, but Having a toddler, you know, they still need their breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, all of that stuff. She still needed to go to preschool and swimming lessons and all of those things. So it was really nice. It was very different. I carried my weight a lot differently. Um, Different food aversions. My daughter was so helpful. She'd run and get my bucket whenever I needed it. Um, There was a lot of Moana watch during that pregnancy. Just so that I could lay down and, you know, get some respite. Um, but she was so good. She's that that kid that would love colouring in and love playing dollies. So it was actually quite manageable in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a because I'd had such a good birth with my first, my husband was really surprised when I mentioned that I wanted a home birth um, because he was like, we had such a good experience. Like I don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't just 
go through that again. And I was like, well, my first inkling was, oh, there's only one bath in a room at that hospital. I really want a water birth again. There's no real guarantee that I'm going to get that room. Whereas if we're at home, midwife is going to have a pool. I've got my bath. I've got the shower. Like I've got options. And so he's a little bit hesitant um, until he met the midwife. And he's like, oh, you're cool. You're qualified. And he, I think having that conversation and knowing that private practicing midwives know their limits and know when to transfer. Um, and he chatted to our midwife and was quite comfortable knowing that, you know, she wasn't some crazy cowboy that was adamant we were going to have a home birth despite anything else. Um, so that put him at ease. And, yeah, that was – we just had a very, I guess, boringly normal pregnancy where the midwife came to us. There was no huge complications. Um I did have a pretty severe asthma attack with his pregnancy. I'd never had an asthma attack before. My brother's asthmatic, so I'd seen it happen. Um, But it was winter. We went to the local soccer or football, and the cold air must have triggered something. So I went home, had some Ventolin, and I ended up taking Ventolin pretty much on the hour, every hour through the night. Um, We lived in a unit underneath my parents and I went upstairs at one point because it was a little bit warmer up there and my dad is um, a nurse by training so I knew that you know if he came out and saw me struggling and he'd kind of be able to tell me which way I needed to go whether it was more Ventolin or hospital and he could hear me coughing and I couldn't talk he's like you got to go like this isn't good so my husband dropped me into the hospital and they actually took me straight round through ED into resus because I was tachycardic and just so unwell scary for you yeah I'd just taken so much Ventolin and still couldn't breathe they're like you probably should have been in here hours ago (laughs) so that was probably the only really eventful thing was then having to really monitor my asthma they were worried that the bigger I got the more I'd struggle and then you know coming into hay fever season he was a September baby so they just weren't sure so I just had the asthma clinic from the hospital monitoring me my private midwife monitoring me um and I have a good – we have a really good pharmacist. So if anybody out there listening, you need a good chemist. <laughs> um, we'll surprise you how much as a parent you'll drop into the chemist for things. But they're just a really great resource as well. They know so much. So having a good relationship with our pharmacist meant he knew um, – well, one, knew I was pregnant, so, you know, can make recommendations around certain medications. But it also meant that if Ben had to drop in, he could he, – he knew Ben was – my spouse and about with medications and stuff so he made sure that I had enough hay fever medication um the right preventer and all that sort of stuff so that it was manageable nothing else happened through that pregnancy which was nice and what instigated that progression from birthing in the hospital to then wanting to home birth um was there anyone around you I guess that had home birth before that you were kind of drawing inspiration from or yeah, one of our friends had had a home birth with the private midwife that I ended up going with and it was it just was such a beautiful, chilled experience. And I was like, that. there's no reason why my birth couldn't be that. It went very straightforward with an induction. There's nothing indicating that this time it needed to be. Um, and, yeah, a couple of my friends had had home births, some through private practicing midwife and some through our local hospital's midwife group practice. Um, which I initially applied for, but because I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, they straight away risked me out of a home birth. They said that it put me in a category C, so I wouldn't get approved for a hospital home birth. And I was like, well, this program's really hard to get into. I don't want to take up 
someone's spot and still be disappointed with the birth that I have because it's not what I wanted. Um, so I actually gave up my MGP spot, which is not something women do in the Illawarra because it's so hard to get on. Um, but I just knew that I wasn't actually high risk and with a private midwife I could still have a home birth. Um, so, they, yeah, that's the, ro- the road we took, saved and sold things and it's, it's not cheap to go that, uh, that way but we made it happen. Yeah. Jumping to the end of your pregnancy now, how were you feeling in those last few weeks? Um, midwife was coming weekly, which was nice. Um, there was, it's funny, even though I know so much about birth and I was a birth doula, it's still the unknown because my first was induced. I was like, I've never gone into labor. I don't know what that's like. Will it even happen? Am I going to not do it? (laughs) Um, So going through that every week um, was interesting. But then around 38 weeks, I started getting really intense lightning crotch, which is horrendous. Um, and just sort of these random period painy type contractions. We went to church on the Sunday and I remember saying to Ben, I don't know if I'm going to make it through the service. We might need to go. Like these are pretty intense. I was just watching my watch and then they all stopped and I was like, Oh, never mind. We can continue. <laughs> um, have a lazy sort of day. He worked from home on the Monday and I just felt off. I didn't feel great. Um, and my daughter was so emotional that day and just really out of sorts. And I ended up actually like cuddling and rocking her to sleep for a day nap because she was just beyond emotional and tired. And so she was over three and I've got this huge 39-week belly <laughs> and just oh. sitting in her bed rocking her to sleep. Um, so that was nice. We had a bit of a, a rest together. Um, was pottering around the house that night doing a few different things messaged my midwife about stupid lightning crotch and was like what is this this pain is insane (laughs) um my midwife messaged back and she's like yep just the baby it's all good this is all good signs um and yeah the next morning so early tuesday morning i went into labor any fears that arose in the lead up to that birth at all no none at all which is very interesting i think because i knew we were close I knew my midwife was probably actually more qualified than hospital midwives because they held to that high standard and she'd done a whole bunch of obstetric emergency training fairly recently. It's like I just I just had no concerns at all. If we needed to transfer, it was maybe five, ten minutes to the hospital. Yeah. And how was that birth experience for you? It was good. It was really fast. So my births basically halved each time. So his labor and birth was about an hour and a half long oh my gosh wow Uh, which again is why I told people I was home birthing I was like oh I just wouldn't even make it to the hospital Um, because sometimes people took that better than you know I'm home birthing because I want to and it's safer for low-risk women (laughs) but yes got up had um, some niggles and some contractions and everybody was very aware that my labors could be fast so my photographer came over quite quickly. Um, my midwife came and my cousin again, um, I had her at that birth as well. Um, so, yeah, got the pool set up. I remember my daughter, I'd prepped her with birth videos, but I'd shown her ones with music and stuff in the background. So she hadn't actually 
been shown birth noises, which I made sure I redid for the third birth um, and showed both the kids' birth noises and stuff because that really took her by surprise, some of the noises I was making as I was bearing down and stuff. Um, But, yeah, laboured outside on the deck as the sun's rising and the birds were singing. It was so beautiful. The pool got filled up. Um, It was way too hot, but I was done waiting. So (laughs) my midwife's like, well, you can try to get in, and they're, you know, trying to cool it down with buckets of water. And um, I remember standing in it for a bit because it it was just too hot. Um, But, yeah. An hour and a half. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that because that is so fast. It is. And intense, I'm sure. It's a lot. Like it takes me two hours to do someone's hair. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like just to put it into perspective. This might be a really stupid question, but do you still feel baby descending down or is it just like so quick and intense you don't really have a moment to be, I guess, mindful of what's happening, if that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, so it's those same feelings but just – I guess, compressed and quicker. You're still getting the breaks in between contractions, but, yeah, everything's happening quickly. Yeah. And at any point did you feel like the surges were sort of taking control or getting on top of you? Um, I was thrown a bit because I thought, oh, I've done this before, so I'll use the same sort of things and I'll um, stomp and squad and I tried those and it was hell. Mm. (laughs) Um, I was like, okay, that's not working for this labour. What am I going to do? Um, so yeah, being outside helped and then I just really breathe through the contractions and swing my hips. I leant on my balcony and I remember moving from side to side. Um, my midwife came out and did a Doppler check. Um, at one point there's a really nice photo of us on the deck with her just kneeling beside me. Yeah. And I just, I breathed, I sat on the toilet for a bit, um, which was a nice position. Yeah. I just moved through it, which I mean in an hour and a half. Yeah. You're going to be at different stages of labour, so different things are going to help. Yeah. And did you tear at all? Or? Um, yeah. Okay. So he was born in the pool, which was really nice. Um, again, another nuchal cord. <laughs> um, untangled him, put him on my chest. My daughter had actually bailed at one point because she couldn't handle the noise and she'd seen a bit of blood as I was bearing down before I got in the pool. So she went upstairs to my mum. Um, so as soon as the baby was out, I said to Ben, I'll go get Millie and we'll find out the gender together. Um, and she was so disappointed that it was a brother. The poor oh. thing. <laughs> We'd prepped her the whole time. We don't get to choose. We don't get to choose. It could be a boy. It could be a girl. Um, but yeah, not very impressed that she had a brother. Oh, so then, um, birth the placenta and yeah, after a little while, my midwife checked me and I had a small tear. Um, which we chatted about and decided to leave because it looked like it was going to heal quite nicely. Um, But then she came back two days later and I just said to her, I'm not real happy, like it just doesn't feel good. So we actually put um, some suturing in it two days later, which I do not recommend. (laughs) Was it painful? That was painful, (laughs) yeah. Because when you do it after birth, you're full of all those endorphins and hormones and you feel really good and you kind of got some of that naturally occurring pain relief. There was a certain part where the local anaesthetic wouldn't take and I said to us, stop stabbing me with that needle and just put the stitch through. I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Local hurts. Oh, definitely. It's a burn, isn't it? So deceiving. So how were you feeling after that birth in comparison to your first? Like was there a massive difference or not so much? I just liked that it was just like another day. Yeah. 
Um, everyone came and did their thing. The midwife, second midwife rocked up maybe a minute or two after he was born. She was like, what has happened? It's <laughs> like, oh, he's here. Um, they cleaned up. Ben went down to our local coffee shop and got a bunch of coffees, told the barista that we'd had a baby that morning. My daughter went off to preschool and we just chilled. We just chilled at home like it was an an exciting day, but it was a nothing day at the same time. It was really this bizarre place to sit in, but it was so nice. Yeah, oh, I love that. So many women describe their home births in a similar way, just so casual. It's just another day only yeah. I pushed a human out of my body. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Have our brekkie now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So when it was time to go back for baby number three, was the decision made to just have another home birth? Or Yeah, and given that it was faster, I was like, look, that's really our only good option. I mean, I would never, unless medically indicated, I could never go back to a hospital to birth anyway, the home birth and the continuity of care. Like I saw my midwife the whole way at home in my pregnancy and then – all the postnatal care that we got and the breastfeeding support was just amazing. And so I actually, with my third, I did a pregnancy test at nighttime and it was two dark lines straight away. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what has happened? Like, my baby's still so young. I'm still breastfeeding. It's not even one yet. Like, what the heck? So had your cycle returned at that point? I'd I'd had one. Okay. Um, my cycle had returned once. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, I just felt so unwell. I was so nauseous. Food was really making me off. I was really tired. And I was like, oh, it took us a while, like, planned to fall pregnant with one and two. Probably not, but I'm going to do a test because I know if I go to the doctors, it's what they're going to want to do. Yeah, so I did this test late at night and burst into tears. And my husband was like, <laughs> wow. And I was like, I'm excited. I'm crying just because I'm overwhelmed like this is a big thing to have a little baby and be pregnant um what's the age gap between them 19 months yeah which everyone was like you're gonna have your hands full and I was like I know that but people (laughs) didn't prepare me for two babies teething at once yeah that was intense two-year-old molars with a little baby yeah wild yeah can totally relate to that yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yep so what was the plan of action for your next birth? Because we know now that you give birth extremely fast, so precipitous labours. Mm. Um, were you just going to call the midwife the second you woke up and felt a niggle? Or? Yeah, so when I'd done that pregnancy test, I was like, okay, I'll go to the doctors and get a referral to get to go to my private midwife again. And she she's an IBCLC, so she actually works out of the doctor's clinic that I was going to at the mo- at that time rocked up and she's like what are you guys doing here came out to the waiting room and had chat and I was like well she's like no you're not and I was like well yeah (laughs) um so she's like well I'll yep I'm free because you must be super early um so basically locked her in before you know I'd even had the referral to go to her but that was the plan you know as soon as I felt any niggle I had to let her know same with my photographer because she was going to be there again. Same with my cousin. She was a student midi at this point. And so I just I had to let the team know the minute I felt anything. Yeah. Um, just so that everyone – because, you know, they're, they're mums and they've got jobs. And um, so it was just, all right, let's be on prepare. And so my daughter was induced right on 39 weeks. Um, Judah, my second baby, arrived in the 39th week. Um 
So I was like, look, I could go past my estimated due date, but I think my babies, their gestation is 39 weeks. So from 38 weeks, we're all very on edge. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. How big were your babies? Uh, so my daughter was tiny. She was six pound 14. So she was actually little. She was in five noughts for quite a while. Yeah, okay. Um, and then my boys were big. They were nine pounders. So oh, wow. Judah was 4.42 kilos and Rowan ended up 4.2. Amazing. Well done. Big babies before I'd even had my coffee, which yeah. sometimes I, you know, after I'd had my induction, I was like, oh, was that really necessary? She's so healthy and perfect and yada, yada. But then when I had my boys, I was like, well, she is significantly smaller than them. So maybe her measurings, because they were like, she's little. She's measuring little. We need to get her out. And then looking at her compared to the boys, I was like, do you know what? Maybe they were right. Maybe she did need to come out because yeah. they were a whole kilo heavier than her. Yeah, so true. Yeah. There was no five noughts for them because they were 50 and 53 centimetres long. Wow. Well done, Mama. And how was yep. your third pregnancy? Yep. Sickness the whole way through. Manageable because the kids were just awesome. Um, you know, cooking dinners and stuff sucked. So I just tried to get it done earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. Then my husband could reheat it. Um, I had a really big aversion to two-minute noodles and he'd cook them for lunch sometimes when he worked from home and I'd just go outside. I couldn't be in the house <laughs> on the small <laughs> Um, but pretty, yeah, pretty cruisy the whole way through. All three babies, I went up to the hospital for reduced or change in movement around 30 weeks. Okay. Um, he might, my third might have been a little bit further along and I went up, um, messaged my midwife and I was like, oh, my movements feel a bit different. And she was like, what would you tell a client if they messaged you that? And I was like, go and get checked for monitoring. Yeah. <laughs> um, so up I toddled to the hospital and he'd actually flipped to transverse. Okay. So he had been head down engaged for a very long time, um, flipped to transverse, and that's why his movements felt different. Um, and it was a midwife I knew doing monitoring. She knew my midwife. She was like, well, this is not ideal, is it? <laughs> um so throughout that monitoring, he went transverse and then he went down, went to breach and she came back a little bit later and he was back to transverse on the other side um, and then back to head down. So he'd done a full circuit in the time that I was up there being monitored and I was like, what are you doing to me, child? Like I can't yeah. have a home birth if you're sideways or breach. Um, but, yes, got him back down to head down. But then, of course, that thing of like if you have enough room to do that, are you going to stay head down? So I didn't have any late ultrasounds. So it was just every time my midwife came over, she had a feel, made sure he was still head down, could still feel a butt up under my ribs, head was very low, um, and just kept an eye on that because, yeah, in Australia they can't deliver um, breach at home. Yeah. Well, in New South Wales anyway, so I assume all the other states are the same. Yeah. So how were you feeling in those last few days leading up to your labour? Were there any clear signs that you were about to go into labour? Um, 38 weeks again, maybe late 37 I might have had something, but 38 weeks I know they ramped up and was like, yep, these are the the signs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but again, I didn't want to get too excited because I was like, oh, look, it, it could very well go to 42. So I tried not to fixate too much on it, but – Went to bed, went to sleep, and those mornings, you know, around 5 a.m. to 7 or even 8 was always the best sleep for me. Um, 
still is actually, if I can get away with it, I'll have these really deep sleeps that time. So I had woken up with this intense back pain. I felt so sick. And I remember saying to Ben, I need to go get in the shower because if this back pain doesn't go away, I'm either going to vomit or die. Um, slightly dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I just it just hurt so much and I couldn't escape it. He was like, uh, yeah, okay, fine. Um, and so I messaged Lou, my midwife, and I said, look, I don't know, maybe I just need a poo or maybe it's a back, just a sore back, I don't know, but something's going on. And she was like, do you think I need to come over <laughs> straight away? Mm. Like, what is this? Do I need to come over? She had clinic that day, tongue tie clinic. And I was like, I don't know. We've got this back and forth going for a bit. And I had a shower and by the time I got out of the shower, I was like, yeah, this is it. Like, everybody needs to get here now. And she's like, I'm just going to drop my stuff over and suss you out and see what's happening. If it's not labor, I'll go away and just leave my stuff there anyway. I think I'd only got the pool the week before. We'd completely forgotten to organize it. So she was like, oh, crap, drop that over the week before. I'd ordered this pool liner that had been on back order. Um, she came over, saw me, and she was like, yep, let's get that pool up. Like, this is, we need to go. And the liner hadn't arrived. Um, so she was like, oh, Ben, quick, clean, quick. What are we going to clean this out with? Let's quickly wipe it out and get it going. Um, and she saw me sitting on the toilet and she came over to do a Doppler check and she says, said to me, are you pushing? Mm. And I remember saying, like, in my head, like, yes, duh, like, obviously. Mm. But all I said to her was, yeah. She's like, okay, you need to get off the toilet. <laughs> Wow. Um, so she yelled out to Ben, don't worry about the pool. Like, get here, get a towel. We've got to put a towel down on the floor for Alyssa. And so he got me off the toilet and there's this awesome photo um, of you can see the bulge, like that baby is so close to crowning. And then he, it goes away. And I said to my midwife, he's gone. He's gone back up. And she said, quick, now's your chance. Let's get you in the shower. Do you want to get in the shower for the water? Because I'd never given birth on land. So I had this moment where I was leaning over the, my toilet, freaking out about what was the pain going to be like without warm water around me? Could I even do a land birth? Like my brain just spiraled a little bit. Mm. And I remember just taking a huge breath and going, it's going to be fine. You've done this. Birth is birth. Just go with the feeling. Breathe the baby rather than trying to push the baby out. And then, yeah, he disappeared, as I described it, so waddled around into my bathroom, into the shower, and that water on my back was amazing. And then he started crowning again. So we think what had happened was he was posterior, which is why I had this hectic back pain, and he'd managed to turn himself around but needed to go back up a little bit to do that. Wow. Um, so which was awesome. Ever. Isn't it? Like they're just, they're such active participants in their own birthdays. It's so amazing. Yes, absolutely. So got in the shower and, um, yeah, breathed him out. Um, my cousin missed that, that birth. That was the birth, the third one, and she rocked up, I think, just after he'd arrived. Um, but, yeah, that's the video that's on Instagram that gets a lot of love is me untangling him because he was quite tangled up in his cord, yeah. which makes sense when, you know, you think about transverse breach, transverse, and him flipping and doing all his gymnastics in there. <laughs> <laughs> Made the most of the space that had been there yeah. for him. Is he like that personality-wise? 
hundred percent. He's yeah. my wild one. <laughs> it's so crazy how so many mums say that, like they just get to know their kids' personality while they're in utero. Yeah, absolutely. With the twins, even I could feel Ayla on one side and Luca on the other, and Ayla was always kicking me and dancing and just being a little bit crazy and. Luca was always really calm and gentle, and that's exactly what they are like as humans. Wow. Isn't that cool? So cool. Yeah. So how long was that birth in total? Oh, that one, I think we decided based off, like, text messages and her arriving, et cetera, the active labor was probably around 45 minutes. Wow, 45 minutes. Yeah. So there was a bit of back and forth in early labor where I was like, is it, isn't it, I don't know. Mm. But, yeah. When she rocked up, she was like, nope, this is definitely, you're on. So, yeah, around 45 minutes. And then I think third stage was maybe 20 minutes or something with his. Mm-hmm. Um, just sat and had a nice cuddle in the shower and sort of came back down to earth. Yes. Did it take you a while to come back into your body after that? Because I know being a 45-minute birth, there would have to be that element of shock, I guess. Like it would be shocking for your body to give birth so quickly. Yeah, yeah, it is. And my midwife records it, so it's really nice being able to see sort of that transition as I like gather myself and sort of come back down. And with my third, he he was fine, but he took a little bit to sort of, you know, transition Apgar scores and everything were fine. He had his cord attached. Like, I was never worried. But because it was so fast, I think both of us got that adrenaline a little bit late. (laughs) So his, you know, transition to earth was a little bit slower than maybe, say, someone who'd had that um, longer transition period and that exposure to all that adrenaline through that. There's a photo that my photographer took and my eyes are so dilated. Like, he's just – they're so – I just look like I've taken something, honestly. (laughs) They're just so hectic and it's just that full adrenaline face of, oh, my God, I just had a baby in the shower in less than an hour. What the heck? Yeah, wow. That is mind-blowing. Well done. Isn't it? It's so cool. And is this you guys done now with kids? Or yeah, yeah. I um, I wasn't sure. As soon as Judah was born, I looked at my husband. And was like, we got to do this again. <laughs> um, and then when Rowan was born, birth the placenta, watered out to the lounge, and the afterbirth pains hit. Whoo! Holy moly! Oh, really? That was me done. I said to him, I can't do this again. Like those were worse than labor pains for me. They, they had me like in agony I had um the second midwife was amazing she had spotted on my bench um afterbirth tincture from Julie at Blissful Herbs so she made me that tastes foul but um she mixed that with some juice got me a heat pack got me um neurofen and all the things because she could see I was not doing great with the pain and so that just became my thing as as soon as I knew I was about to sit down and feed I had my tincture, I had my pain relief, had my heat pack, and I was like psyching myself up because mm. those those were those were it. I was yeah. not going back for more. Three years later, now I'm like, oh, I wonder if I should be a surrogate for someone or like oh. I miss pregnancy and birth. Should I do it? Like, <laughs> so that's what I need no. to remind myself of those afterbirth pains. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, I wonder how fast you'd give birth both time around. I know. I joke to my husband. It, it would just be like maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. I joked to my husband that if I was going to be a surrogate, the family would have to move in with us. Like <laughs> they'd end up missing the birth of their baby. 
So true. But I mean, they probably miss it anyway, just being in the other room by the sounds of it. Yeah, wake up quick. <laughs> so being a doula, do you go into hospital and support women as well? Or do you only do specific birth spaces? Um, yeah, I go into, we've got a private hospital and a public hospital here. So I go into either of those um, and then also do home births, which is a nice mix of all different types. Yeah, nice. Your placentas, did you end up doing anything special with those? No. no. I, I couldn't really wrap my head around consuming them. Like, yeah, okay. I joked with baby number two because my dad's a nurse. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to cut it up and just munch on it, Dad. <laughs> he was like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> he was so repulsed. Um, I was like, yeah, chuck it in a smoothie. It'd be great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just – I'd done a whole bunch of research and I was like, oh, maybe instead of consuming it, maybe I'll plant it. Like, that will be really nice. But at that time we were living quite close to the bush and there was all sorts of critters. And I was like, mm, actually, I don't think that's probably going to be the greatest idea. Maybe let's not do that. Yeah. So I'd, I love placentas. They fascinate me and I just – I'm just in awe of them. So I made sure – my photographer's got lots of photos and, you know, photos of the babies connected and love hearts and all those sorts of things. But then, yeah, just disposed of them. Mm -hmm. With the third birth, because there was the true knot, um, there's a video of my midwife, like, sliding that along the cord. Um, and his umbilical cord was, like, 111 centimetres or something. It was so long. Wow. So I've got those photos and videos, which are cool, cool to look on. Yeah. So taking in your entire journey, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there listening? Um, immerse yourself. I think it's easy to get thrown by stories that don't go well. Um, sometimes it's hard for those of us that have had great birth. Sometimes it's hard to share. We, we can feel a little bit guilty or pressured to not share but there is lots of good birth stories so listening to podcasts reading books immersing yourself in the world of birth and how it can go in its multitude of beautiful ways but also I think the interesting thing for us is that I knew I wanted a home birth so I said to Ben this is the plan um and then him having to go yeah cool that sounds okay and sometimes when I work with families partners aren't or families aren't that supportive but if that's what's best for mum then that's going to be best for her oxytocin and endorphins so that's going to be best for birth so just trusting those instincts and birthing where you want to birth and trying to make that work obviously that comes from a place of privilege not everybody can do that but working our way around creating a good birth space and birth environment and birth team uh, that we desire advice well thank you so much for coming on the show today Alyssa and sharing your incredible journey with us my pleasure thank you so much for giving this um, women the space to hear beautiful birth stories that brings us to the end of today's show what a whirlwind birth journey there is nothing easy about a quick labor so I am just in complete awe of Alyssa something I found really interesting about Alyssa's story was the element of stomping during your labor to shift your energy love that concept and I feel like correct me if I'm wrong we haven't heard of that before on this podcast I would love to hear from you guys if any of you have heard of this or even practiced it during your labor let me know over on the PBA Instagram I'd love to read your stories I hope you all enjoyed today's episode please like and subscribe on your podcast platform so that we can reach more women who need it and thank you so much for listening sending all my 
love to the mamas out there getting 